0: This is DTC Growth Hacking with Rob McGray. Brought to you by Field Test. Advertising simplified.
1: This is Rob McGray, and you're listening to DTC Growth Hacking, selling stuff online. Presented by Field Test. This is a podcast for anyone interested in how brands, services, agencies, and, well, humans are using direct-to-consumer marketing techniques to not only sell, but to connect. And one of the things that really connects us these days is content. Streaming services are bigger or even bigger business than ever with companies like Netflix and Disney really setting a new pace and defining for an industry what's to be expected which appears to be super high quality, watch it anywhere, anytime you want professional programming. And for many, streaming has replaced everything from movie theaters to cable channels, all of it. Now, if you're like me, you might spend a lot of time and I have to admit, I spend a lot of time um, on YouTube, probably more than anything because I'm pretty much addicted to do it yourself videos. But that addiction has not stopped anyone from getting into the space. AT&T just announced they're gonna red themselves of WarnerMedia. The industry is waiting to see what that means. There's all kinds of changes abreast and suddenly disruptors are entering the playing field again. Now, during this interview, we may drop some buzzwords. So I just wanna be clear on on what the jargon means. Um, AVOD is advertising-based video on demand. FAST um, is free ad-supported TV. SVOD is subscription-based video on demand. Now, I might not use any of these terms, but my friend Thomas Wadsworth, the chief product officer at Stroom, which is again pronounced Stroom like broom, um, may use them. Stroom is a new video streaming company created by Thomas and his co-founders, most of which are fellow Disney alumni alumni, along with myself, um, built in a model that allows customers to sample different channels of content across many different um, channel providers with a single subscription. Um, Thomas, how are you? Good, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, pretty exciting week for you, huh? It's been a very good week and I actually learned something today. There's some of those acronyms I had to write down being like, oh, I don't think I knew that one. I,
1: I, 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 I'm terrible at using the professional jargon. And so, uh, but, but people will use it on me and I'll do that thing. Like everybody where I just nod my head. And, and I, I, I even like, I'll be listening to a podcast and somebody will say something and and I'll find myself nodding, even though I'm like, no one's there. And, and I have no idea what they're talking about.
0: You know, well, I, I think if you get a bunch of old Disney execs together, you just acronym each other to death. Yeah. And everyone just ends up and, nodding.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they're all like acronyms from Disney like 10 years ago that yeah. only people at Disney would even know who worked on a project for six months. Yeah. Um, speaking, so two things. One, congratulations um, to you and the team, you Thank guys. You. Uh, you know really um tons of momentum behind the product uh you had your soft launch this week i know personally because we are friends that that you know this has been a long time coming um you know a, a big heartfelt like go go team to everybody it's you know I, you. I played with it i'm signed up it's it looks cool i'm excited and uh i really like the concept behind it to me it always felt like a a no-brainer, but but before we we dive into that, I just want to focus on you, Thomas, yes. uh, for a second, and your journey. Um, you know, for, for anybody who knows me, uh, you know that that um, I was a co-founder of a company called DigiSend. Thomas was part of the core team there, one of the first employees. Um, he was there with me when we were acquired by Disney. Um, I, I do remember at that time, uh, and and I'm sorry. to Say anything personal about you, but that that be might have been your dream scenario. Big Disney fan, um, you know. I I remember you telling me your lifelong ambition to be an Imagineer and to get to produce Disney things, and uh, and and then suddenly, you know, we ended up working at Disney, and you ended up working with the park. Um, you kind of did a shift, I think, early in your career. You, you were very focused on product, the production side of things and the media side. And I watched you transition uh, over to the technology side. Um, it, it happened to coincide with, and this was probably a fortunate, um, serendipitous moment, uh, but that apps were getting big and technology and media were having this convergence. And, and you seem to know how to ride that. And eventually became, uh, I think you were the, the head product guy uh, for Disney Life,
0: yeah.
1: which, uh, which eventually became Disney Plus, which is a huge career moment for you, uh, just being a part of that. And I know that on the heels of that, you spent some time as an actual Imagineer,
0: yeah. which
1: uh, is, is huge. And, uh, you know, and, and now I've gone on to create create your own company. So, wow, that's nuts.
0: It's- it's been a wild ride. I mean, I never looked back on it, I guess, until just this moment. So, yeah, I guess so.
1: <laughs> Isn't that, that that's a crazy ride? I think it's also, you know, I, I mean, the nice thing about looking back on on the the journeys that we come on is that we're able to assemble pieces of them to make sense for where we find ourselves now. And so, I hinted on that kind of convergence moment, and and I, I tend to think that the people who are just killing it in technology right now and especially in kind of technology media crossover are the folks who who really have chops in both areas and you know and and you and i have similar backgrounds whereas we went to school specifically to learn you know something in the more media side Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of saw the opportunity and uh it's just it's it's so i i mean i i'm not a good doing a good job of, of, of hiding my enthusiasm, but I'm just so excited for what you guys have done and, and you as, as a friend and, and as a person and, you know, watching you kind of, um, you know, probably the last almost 15 years of your career kind of get to this point where you founded a company and and you rolled out a product and you, you, you're you doing it and it's huge.
0: Yeah, thank you. And it's, wow, 15 years is a really long time. Uh, <laughs> and I, to be fair, I never really planned on running, uh, you know, uh, or launching a, uh, a product of my own, but, uh, yeah, here we are.
1: Yeah. And I remember you and I talking a lot about, you know, I think you were part of that first, um, that first generation that, that really wasn't connected to the lifeline that is cable television or, um, satellite TV. Uh, I, I think, you know, I can remember even having those services, and, and and you being like, "Why would you have these? Why wouldn't you just, go, <laughs> you just get it online? What are you doing? Why you? Why do you? Why do you? What are you old?" And um, you know, which which clearly I was and am, but you know, you know, I I, I think we're almost in the same boat today, Thomas, in a way where I feel like we kind of got back to almost where we started, yeah. You know, with with all of these choices, and if, as you begin to kind of like pile them up on top of one another you know it gets it it begins to feel like cable television in a way and you know and 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 within that like you know remember all the premium channels that cost extra and it was like i mean i was paying like 150 dollars for television
0: i mean i remember my parents were paying god even more than that they had satellite tv so i think i think when when i would tell you that like why would you have cable because i had like an innate hate for it because We lived in Virginia, so whenever it would snow, my dad would be like, here's a broom. We need to shovel off the satellite dish, which was like two miles in the back of our house. So you had to suit up, go out there, shovel all this shit off of the satellite dish just so you could watch TV and to literally wait like 15 minutes for it to go from like S1 to G4. And then you're like, damn it, I'm on the East Coast satellite. sucks. I wanted to be on the West Coast satellite because I missed the show I was trying to watch. So... Uh, yeah. man
1: technology it's it's yeah. uh, it's it's its really um uh, i can't believe how much has changed in so little time but yeah. let, let's 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 talk a little bit about stroom um yeah you know and uh you know I, I can i disclose that that i got an i got an early early preview is it okay if i tell people that yeah i mean uh,
0: people i mean you told people we were friends so i guess it was implied yeah. assumed yeah
1: <laughs> Like, um, I, I, was, I felt really, um, kind of honored that I was asked to, to test out the product early on and, uh, and, you know, and I thought, you know, one, it was super cool, but I was like, wow, they actually care what I think. And, uh, I gave some input and I watched a bunch of shows. I found stuff that, that I really enjoyed. Nice. Um, it, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. hard it was right there in front of me and then, and then more stuff that I wanted to see popped up. And, and I'm a big believer in kind of curated experiences anyway. And so it, it kind of fit into my model of how I like to consume. Um, but, but tell us the story, like, how does it all come together? How do you guys come up with the idea?
0: so yes. I mean, a lot of it comes from, you know, we're all part of the streaming video space. So myself, Lauren Devillier, uh, Eugene Liu, and Paul Pastor, we all worked on whether it was Discovery Plus, Disney Plus, or Disney Life. And I remember back in the day, you know, everybody was kind of sitting around boardrooms and, you know, you had a bunch of executives and they're like, well, you know, cable is disintegrating. What are we going to do? Like, we need to come up with something and people are like, well, have you seen Netflix? We should, we should have a Netflix and then people are like, do you think they'll buy that? They're like, oh, we'll just tell them it's going to be so much better. It's all it's all in one place. Everything is right there. And you had a bunch of executives thinking of it from their perspective, not thinking about every cable, not cable, but studio was going to do this. So it eventually turned into the fragmented kind of annoying market we have today which does spawn, you know, why can't we just bring all this stuff together? And then it also comes back to, you know, I'm sure people have family members where they're like, I want to sign up for something. And you're like, okay, if you sign up, just make sure that like you cancel it because you're going to get charged. And then, you know, everybody gets around the, the table for Thanksgiving and, um, you found out that they've been paying for it for the last like eight months. And you're like, are you kidding me? I told you. And they're like, well, you know, I just forgot. And so I think, you know. To, suffer, to summarize it, it's like, you know, we live in a fragmented world where, you know, I'm always popping out of every single different app. Um, when I do remember that I can just, you know, use a voice remote. Uh, you've got family members who are friends who are always like, where do I get this? How do I get that? And so really to kind of bring everything together into one app, one subscription that didn't link you out. We, we always talked about it as kind of a dream. And we were like, that would be cool. And then, um, you know, I was talking to Eugene and he's like, well, what if we do that? And I'm like, "Ah, that sounds crazy. You're a crazy person, first of all. So I don't know if I want to be involved with you. Um, And then he's like, no, we should do this. And then, uh, you know, he kind of talked to Lauren, Lauren talked to Paul. We all kind of got together and, you know, sitting around the table outside in Studio City, we were like. I think we can do this. And, you know, we were, we were all kind of, you know, coming off of these uh, long careers at big uh, studios. So we all had this ambition and thought we could really pull this stuff together. And now we sit here and it's like, oh shit, it happened. So. <laughs>
1: yeah. Now Thomas, just for timing, like these, these early conversations, is this during the pandemic? Like yeah, so this when, is... when is this?
0: this is april of 2020 maybe a little bit earlier so it's as the pandemic is uh, picking up and i think we all started to realize that okay this is not going to be you know days months or or um weeks this is going to be around for a while uh what can we really do here and so we realized also that you know with the pandemic going on and everybody was uh, kind of quarantined at home we were like well this kind of gives us an opportunity to really hire people from all over the world so myself and Eugene, we, we traveled, uh, all over the world for the launch of Disney life. And so we got to meet some really fascinating and really experienced people. And so when we were looking to build Stroom, we kind of remember all the people that we had interacted with and met. And we were like, what if we bring some of those people together? Cause you know, they're, they're looking for their next thing. You know, I really enjoyed working with them. They know what they're doing. We're working remote. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know so, what, you know, um, when when I was uh, when I first started looking at the product, it reminded me not not in look and feel, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you guys remember if you were, if, if you guys ever looked at this, but Plex at one point and maybe they still do had the ability to kind of add these channels, and you're yeah. basically adding these URLs, and you're kind of pulling in, you know, this this, um, this you know I want to say smaller channels. Of, mm-hmm. of content from all over the place, but it allowed you to get very focused on the content that you really were looking for. And there tended to be, uh, you know, a finite amount of stuff. So it was kind of easier to sort through and find what you were looking for. And I remember for a while I was like, I was really like watching primarily stuff that I would find on there. And I, and I, I remembered that when I, when I started playing around, like, Oh, okay. Nice. This reminds me a little bit in some way, of you know someone has figured out a way to bring all of these you know channels together and uh and and and, and aggregate them in a way that's meaningful to me as as someone who wants to watch specific types of content mm-hmm. and uh so i i i, I there's a couple of questions i have um sure. you know like i don't know if i really understand how the streaming business actually works um mm-hmm. to begin with like do you mind just real like um layman's terms like how do these companies like is it all subscription revenue like how do these companies make money like what is the business model
0: yeah you know the, there's there's many different business models and you know as we were going through some of the acronyms in the beginning like there's the streaming video on demand where you know it's they're making their money solely from subscription services as well as add-ons right Netflix has really been the one that has kind of embraced the um, add-ons in a, in a good way. You know, you can get SD for one price, you can get HD for another price. And I do think that you'll start to see that being added on more and more. Um, you know, today you can download, tomorrow, is that going to be a charge? I don't know. Um, you have the advertising video on demand, so more of like, uh, say, a Tubi, right? Where what they're doing is, is they're bringing all this content together, they're licensing it, And then they're putting ad breaks within the content now that could be content that had an ad break before or they're adding it and then they're making revenue off of the ad model and then you also have you know these kind of hybrid platforms where you're looking at the apple tv or the amazons of the world where they have the subscription video and then they also have the rental model as well and so they're making money through subscriptions and then they're also making money by being able to purchase content a la carte across the platform So those are, those are, those are kind of the basic ways in which these, these services make money today.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and the team all come from, you know, this world. Yes. In in various ways. So you guys are very familiar with how this business has been run for, I I don't want to guess anybody's age, but let's say the past two decades.
0: Yeah. And I think the the thing that clicked for us, you know, going back to that, uh, that table outside at Studio City, you know, more than a year ago on a sunny day, which was a Wednesday, um, we all came from different backgrounds. So I came from product, uh, and design, uh, Eugene was, uh, he was the vice president of technology for Disney plus, um, Lauren, uh, also came from product, but also, came from marketing and also running operations in a lot of these. And then Paul came from the business world as well as content. So when we kind of realized what specialties we all um, were kind of overseeing, we were like, well, that, that does make up the core disciplines of what you need. Now, granted, there's many, many other uh, departments that fit underneath there. And it takes a lot of people to run these services. But in terms of like the core competencies of what we were able to understand definitely allowed us to think like, all right, this, this is something that could actually be put together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me, let me kind of shift a little bit right now. Cause you guys are coming, you're in your, what, what we could call your soft launch. Yeah. You've got your, um, I believe it's your, your iPhone, iOS version mm-hmm. of the app is available today. Yeah. Um, and it has been for like two days at this point. Um, yeah. You know, by the time we release this episode, it, it could be, two months ago, uh, but, but it's been (laughs) out there, you know, how, how does, I saw a lot of really good press, um, you know, through, you know, in the, in the tent crunch kind Mm -hmm. of New York times. I think I read something in the, maybe the New York, uh, the LA times as well, Mm -hmm. like, like really good stuff. Um, I know that that's great for credibility and, and validating, uh, you know, you know a, a company's launch or a company's status or whatever. But what I'm wondering is like, and I know it's it's not 100 percent in your area, but how are you guys are thinking about finding the audience for the product? Because you guys, in a way, do seem like a, a very there's a lot of potential to be a powerful gateway to these channels. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, which, is, I, I, which I would assume would be the selling point to your channel partners is like, hey, you know, having you guys come to this party, you're going to meet a lot more people than if you're all through your own party, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of these, a lot of the brands that we're bringing together, and we're really trying to bring together like a lot of interesting content, right? So you know, I think about when I first discovered Tastemade and I was like, wow, there's a whole cooking channel that's entirely different than like the Food Network that speaks to more of the kind of content I enjoy, but yet the kind of things I want to make. And so I remember that moment of discovering something like that and then thinking, well, how many more channels are like that? And then when we're looking about um, how, we're, how we're looking to find that audience, it's really about those kind of channel combinations. Because when you think about it, like many people subscribe to multiple services one, two, four. Um, and so when you're looking at the kind of secondary services that you would subscribe to, whether that's echo boom, who has a lot of sports content or using the TasteMade example, again, if you package those up, that's an audience cluster right there. Right. And so that could be where we're now exposing the echo boom audience to TasteMade. And so one of the cells with, to our content partners was look, if you are um you know bbc select you have those users people love the bbc that's that's already there right you're an active subscriber but what about the people who don't know about bbc select maybe because they haven't decided to make the leap and sample it or that they have just never been exposed to it by by finding a channel using echo boom and then getting them over into bbc select we can bring a whole new audience to those channels and really you can start to you know, sample and bring together your kind of what your channel, uh, service looks like because we are services within services. And then later down the line, we're going to allow you to, you know, add those channels as subscriptions. You can really start to build that out. And then you can then start to understand where I'm spending my credits on what I'm a subscriber to what is interesting to me. And I think, you know, our tastes do shift, you know, not only with what happened in a day, what's happening in the world, but also, you know, the time of day and, um, I think once you start to pull all of these things focused on discovery, allowing customers to put together their own channels, and then really looking at this service as a sampling model to go into what that next thing is, that's where um, I think we can really start to identify audience clusters and then start to go after them in, in, in different ways. Yeah,
1: I It's a really long explanation. No, <laughs> no, but I, you, you hit on something that I hadn't really thought about. Cause I was thinking about like, how are you guys going to get people create awareness for for stroom itself
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we kind of like went off on a on a, a, a side path there which made me really think about the data that that stroom is going to have and it i pictured like as you described that like with mm-hmm. you know bbc and and etc cetera, etc cetera, like that basically you're creating some kind of venn diagram of content preferences right yeah and and, and what you could do with that con, like what you can do with that data. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you guys don't have any ads in the, in the device, in the experience right now. It's, it's completely ad free, right?
0: We do. We do not. There's no ads.
1: Okay. So it's, it's a hundred percent just a content play today. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys are, can build some powerful tools that when you begin to really scale that user base, like it becomes powerful information to give back to the channels.
0: Yeah. And there's thing there, there will be things in the service called suggestions. So, you know, if I'm on that core browse page where you see all the content rails and, you know, for those who haven't seen the service, you know, from a design principle, we wanted to make sure that it was familiar and we wanted to make the model, the thing that was kind of the innovation there. And so if you, if you went to the service, you're like, Oh, I, I recognize how this works. Um, and then it's really the model. It's the only thing you have to learn. But, um, yeah, once I have uh, once I have the ability to add those channels, I can then start to put those um, suggestions there, being like, "Hey, we notice you've watched three series within um, uh, this brand. Would you like to be a subscriber?" And then also concurrently, you can also say, "Hey, you know, we noticed that you also like this other brand. Would you like to be a subscriber of that?" And so, through the sampling model, you can then make these uh, connection points. Yeah, did this,
1: uh, and and I am throwing you a. a, a you know kind of a, a curveball here cuz we didn't we didn't we never really talked about this it it's it's super recent but i mean are you guys affected at all from the um the apple privacy um changes with the tracking on the on the iOS devices
0: No, I mean, you know, not in, not in any way that anybody else wasn't affected. So, you know, what what you're talking about is the new update within 14.5, where you have to, you know, basically tell someone, Hey, we are using this data to track you. So does it affect us? Um, You know, it affects everybody because you're not going to be able to understand if somebody came in through an advertisement, say on Facebook, but um, in any other way, no. And ultimately, you know, one of our, one of our values is within the company, as we've talked about value and being able to let people know how many credits are spending on uh, content, uh, transparency and being able to let them know what we're doing with their data, right? Where's it going? Why, what am I, what am I doing with this? So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And I guess I, I, I didn't, I don't know if I did a very good job explaining this at the beginning, but, um, I read an article on TechCrunch, and they, they made a comparison between Stroom and, uh, what is it? Class pass. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for those of you who don't live in LA or, um, Someplace where Class Pass exists. It's basically a, a, a subscription model where, with your, your, your Class Pass, you can use essentially credits on various classes around town at, at different you know, providers. So you can go to like this yoga studio over here, or you can go to like this Pilates place or whatever and kind of spread them out how you see fit without having to buy like a, a big block at any one place. And I, I, from what I understand, uh, the people who use it really like it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's exactly the right comparison, um, but one of the things I really thought was interesting about your model is that you decided to go with a credit space system where, so, and, and just, you know, and, and I think I know the numbers, but I, I think it's, was it $5 a month?
0: 4 Four ninety nine.
1: 99 You get essentially, was it a hundred credits?
0: mm mm-hmm. hundred credits.
1: Yeah. And you, and you can spend those or you can redeem those credits, however you wish, um, you know, across all of the different channels. And, and I'm not sure exactly how, how many credits, what, what content is, but basically in theory, is that enough for a a person to get through? Like, how are you guys thinking about this in terms of consumption?
0: Yeah. So a couple things. So, you know, back on the model and let me back up to ClassPass. So ClassPass is definitely, uh, you know, a app and a business that, you know, definitely looked at something and said, hey, I don't want a gym membership. How can I go to many different gyms and then be able to do this in a way that kind of gets customers freedom of choice? And so that definitely, you know, I've used ClassPass and I I absolutely, you know, enjoyed my experience with it uh, and still continue to and so that is an interesting model and also you know when you look at the gym membership like they're looking to lock you in like they want you to be that gym member forever and if you look at uh, subscription services it's kind of that same way right they want you to be a a subscriber of that service for your lifetime um and so you know that's great and i'm sure you know people do that and their services i've never canceled but um when you have different content and you have different needs you know you kind of have to think about well what what is a way in which i can start to do sampling and credits really do allow for that because you know if you're looking at it you know we need to be able to make sure that um the content that we are licensing, our content partners find it uh, a good business model for them. And it's also a good uh, customer proposition. And so the credit model does really allow for that. And so that's where we're able to allow people to sample across, you know, 25 plus services today, 50 tomorrow, and they can really start to see what they like and then really start to say, all right, I should be a subscriber of, again, you know, Echo Boom or Tribeca, who's also part of the service.
1: Do the credits expire? the credits at the end of every month uh
0: the credits the credits expire one year after uh if after you've unsubscribed so if you if you unsubscribe and you come back within that 365 day time period no they do not expire uh we have a very long we have a very open expiration policy
1: right so somebody who's not you know who's not active for the month let's say they need to get um, eye surgery or something, and they're kind of, they can't see yeah. for a month. Um, yeah, they, yeah. They, they don't lose, they don't cred, lose their- Your
0: credits, the credits are still there. Yeah, your credits are still there. You can come back. We don't pressure you to use your credits. Um, so they will be there. Yeah, and so back into yeah. to the model, you, it's 499. We give you a hundred credits. This is part of our um, uh, you know soft launch, just to be able to be able to get the product out in the market and see what people think mm-hmm. of the model and the experience and figure out you know what kind of channels uh, they want to be able to see on the service as well. And then if you do use all of those credits, we do offer uh, the ability to add credits for a one-time purchase. So you can purchase credits in a 20, 40 or 60 pack. So,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things I think that benefits you guys is that you're, you're, now I'm not saying, and this is not, um, in a bad way, but your explanation of the, of, of the model, um, or of the business is actually quite simple. Right. It's not a complicated thing to understand. And, uh, you know, I meet a lot of startups and, you know, and it all of a sudden you're not really sure, like they're doing like 10 things and you're like, Wait, which one of these 10 things are you going to even be remotely able to do? Because yeah. there's just no way you've got limited resources. Um, I know that you guys started off with with a very small team. I know you I believe you you raised some money and you started to grow the team over time and We'll continue mm-hmm. to do that, um, as you guys scale out, uh, you know, one, of, one of my, my big kind of, um, personal beliefs is that, you know, that in small groups, it's really key for what I would describe as a, a, an alignment of disciplines. And what I mean by that is that you have proper representation, whether it's one person, whether it's three people, whether it's 10 people, um, across like product development, uh, the creative, the engineering, and the marketing. So you're kind of able to do everything hand in hand versus hand after hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so what, what kind of strategy did you guys use getting this off the ground? Because you got it off the ground in, in, in what is a, a very fast amount of time. Like, yeah. Um, knowing, you know, that you guys, and granted, I, I know you all worked hard, but, but it came together really quickly.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, with all the experience that we had across the table, there were definitely things that, you know, we could come together as a group. And in those beginning days just be like, all right, what are the things we know that we don't want to do? What are some of the things that we've learned where we know those may not be good paths to go down? And also, you know, back to, you know, reiterating when we were talking about um, what is our core innovation and that's the business model. And so, you know, I do think that when you're looking to drive innovation, it's got to be simple, right? And there's, you know, there's a reason why, you know, I think VR is starting to make its entry point into the world, but it's it's nowhere near, you know, the mass consumer product that we thought it would be by this point. Um, VR is very difficult in terms of an innovation to grasp and to get behind. Yeah. Um, and so for us, it's about, okay, innovation is the business model. We are going to move forward with a design that is familiar, uh, but yet also distinct and how we identified that distinctiveness was let's go with a name that's fun. So stream is, you know, it's, it's fun. It's different. It's the Dutch. It's uh, we've, we've added a U and made it the Dutch word. It's it's the Dutch word for streaming. We've added the U and then we can play around with that as time goes on. We didn't want it to be, you know, so rigid um, and, you know, calling it on the nose. And then we wanted to figure out a color palette and uh, a branding that really, when you saw it, you were like, Oh, okay. I know what that is. So we took a lot of parallel tracks. So, you know, one thing we did was we added, uh, user research into all of our sprints. So at the end of each sprint, we would send this out to a group of people and get feedback. And so, you know, we've ran, um, and like I mentioned, we, we started talking in April of 2020. We really started product development around September, and we're now in the market in May. So, You know, in the beginning, like, yeah, you're showing people some really, really rough stuff, and there had to be a little bit more hand holding, and that was done through presentations. Um, But, you know, baking in user testing from the beginning, really setting that direction and knowing, like, okay, these are the areas to stay away from, keeping it familiar, keeping it focused. And I think the one thing that, you know, we were really good at, and one thing that I really learned was, and to your point, like, don't do too many things, keep focused. stay on track and be able to make sure that you know you don't get into this decision fatigue so it's more of this you know let's let's debate it we've decided we're in alignment build it go and then put it in user testing if some things came back update and you constantly have that feedback loop and constantly keeping it to um you know also team empowerment because if you hire people who know what they're doing you could be like this is what we're trying to go for this is this is kind of the core values of the company what we're trying to embody here this is the idea. This is why we hired you. Go for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, let me let me let me let me ask you a question like yeah. um, streaming services in general. Um, yeah. Within the realm of streaming services, who are the ones who really inspire you? I know I mean I know you guys must have done your share of studying who's doing what, like who's who's doing it right?
0: Yeah, and I think I don't know if there's a right or a wrong because I think it's really based on the customer and what their needs are. So, you know, when I look at who services me and again, you know, I'm, I'm somebody, I I play video games. I watch a lot of movies, you know, I like to be outdoors, but um, you know, I do like my entertainment, you know, as we talked in the beginning, we both come from film schools. So or art schools. So for me, I think when I'm looking at it from a user experience standpoint, I really like what Hulu is doing because what Hulu is doing is, is they're like, look, we are leading the way when it comes to um, TV. Uh, we are starting to integrate a lot of new content, especially when, with the acquisition uh, of uh, you know, Fox and Disney putting FX into Hulu. But what the, the thing they do that I really enjoy is that they have their branding, but the branding is very subtly integrated into uh, the service. It's still the content, and it's still omnipresent. But they do things like they'll put the gradient over the content object, and they have a, a way of being able to distinctly identify those colors. They have that very simple, like, boom, and they're popping in that green. They don't overly use the green, but where they do, it's very impactful. So I, I do like that. Um, HBO, you know, I've always been a longtime HBO subscriber, so I will continue to suffer through um, every bit of name change and every bit of performance uh, uh, hurdle I have to get over to watch HBO content. Uh, so I've, I will always be a subscriber and i like Netflix for where they are today. And I think Netflix is coming into a really interesting point because Netflix was like, we're, 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 we're supplying content to the world and we've got the world's content right here for you they're now starting to get into, you know, making like little pockets of content that I'm really starting to enjoy. And, you know, I think when, you know, you look at the video game world, there's always been bad examples of video game based content, but you know, I I love Castlevania and what they're doing with it. And so that's a show like immediately when it comes on, I binge the whole thing. So, you know, don't tell the rest of the team, but there might've been times where I'm like, well, this is on, I'm doing this. Just Tell everybody I'm busy. Um, and then, you know, lastly, I think the criterion channel always, I've been a criterion collector for many, many years. And when they brought the service together, I was very excited because I'm like, I don't have to spend high prices on Blu-rays anymore. Also, I don't need to buy Blu-rays anymore. Where am I going to put them? But I can have all of this stuff digitally and they still put the same care, special features and, uh, diligence to quality in terms of how they, how they restore these films that, you know, as a, as a, as a film lover uh, and also as somebody who wants to learn everything I can about uh, a particular movie, it's all right there digitally on the go. So I think those are, those are just a a brief amount. I could talk about this for a while.
1: What's interesting about what you said is, is you almost described the personality of the, or the 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 thing about each that that someone's actually passionate about like mm-hmm. i when that there were, i can't remember if it was like a year or two years ago it was when hulu did a big like revamp of of their user experience and it was like it compared to everything else they had done and everybody else was doing it was a little insane right mm-hmm. it was like 100% curation like yeah. it was really like, you weren't going to find anything on your own. Like, they were going to tell you, right? And you could eventually figure it out, but they really took this stance of, you know, you, part of what you get with us is is a personality and, and a recommendation engine that we're going to fire up when you get here. And they, I can't remember the name of the cartoon that they served me up. It was like this weird cartoon. It's anime. It was narrated by Stan Lee of all people. It was oh. so whacked out. I can't remember what it was called. I never saw it anywhere else except Hulu. Um, I never heard about it anywhere. And they had like twelve episodes. There were no more, no less. And I can't believe that they they had served me up like the one thing that that I really enjoyed. Um, with the exce- like you know, the probably the best show I've seen in the last two years was devs, which was on Hulu, which was just so unbelievably good. And I'm a big, um, Alex Garland fan, but man, that was good. And I, and that told me that Hulu believed in the vision of its artists. That was the message they sent. So it was like, we believe that we know you well. And by the way, we really back our artists. This is our brand. You know, if I think about, um, you know some of the other brands you said I might not necessarily say that for everybody. You know each one is slightly different in in their attitudes about art and about film and about like Criterion. Clearly, like you know that is like collectors, like mm-hmm. collectors level type of white glove service. Um, you don't get that at Netflix. Netflix to me is just like a vomiting of everything that you could find and you can't find it anyway, you know, sorry, Netflix. But like that UI is like literally the worst UI I've ever seen. Um,
0: like, I did have and, to and search so, for Catherine.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, the stuff that comes out that, they, that I've already, like, they know I watch Castle, where is it? I have to dig <laughs> yeah, for the thing, it, it came out today. Why are you not telling me? Stop <laughs> telling me about this other thing. I've already watched it. I don't want to watch it again. Like, I feel like they don't know me. And what the attitude that they that they project to me is, we know better than you. What you want, Hulu's was we think we know you pretty well, and we've got good taste. Mm-hmm. Criterion's just like we've got the best taste. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Amazon is kind of like I don't know, we've got stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you
1: we-, we got stuff.
0: You might, you, like have it it. Really yeah, you might like some of it. You might like some of it
1: you know, eventually you'll find something good here. We've got it and it'll be cheaper. You know, it's like typical Amazon kind of attitude. Yeah. Um, what, what, is, what is the message that you guys are looking to project out there? What do you want to say to your customers?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, if we're looking at like, you know, what's the vision? It's like, you know, how do we unlock the world's best entertainment for everyone? Because when we're looking at who we're trying to bring together, and if I'm talking, you know, if I go back to my Tastemate example, like being able to think like, oh, wow, this is something really interesting. So how can you bring that to somebody? And then ultimately, you know, we have Korean dramas from Kakao. And I never knew that I was going to be a Korean drama fan. I know. I, can, I can firmly say that today. And so, you know, the best content, very much like in my Criterion example, sometimes it's not from the U.S. And there's a lot of things, you know, across the world that being exposed to, you may love. Um, uh, so... I think if I had to sum it up in a simple word, a, word, a simple sentence to unlock the world's best entertainment for everyone is where we're looking to go with this. So what, I'm,
1: what I'm hearing, and, and uh, I apologize if I heard this wrong, is that sure. um, Stroom, with its, uh, with its Dutch name and, uh, and, and its worldly perspective, feels like the, the brand for, for those who aspire to be cultured, you
0: know? <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's cultured, but, you know, somebody who wants to find something different, somebody who's looking for something interesting, somebody who's looking for, you know, it could be content, you know that uh you know you want more of like i think there's a lot of really great uh services you know some of these services have under 5 million subscribers and people just may have never heard of them you know a lot of them we are partnered with today and so you know like when i mentioned echo boom uh a great sports uh category which you know i i'm very limited in my sports ability but you know i love watching those videos where people do crazy things so i will spend hours in that channel and i think it's you know cultured yes but then also how do you provide you know just entertainment that becomes interesting to you um and also things that you may never think of in before uh i watched a piece of content the other day who are our, um, our head of our head of editorial recommended it's called the the europa report uh from magnolia and it was basically like a, a documentary set in the distant future and it's and it was really interesting because i'm like Oh, wow. This is what a documentary in the future would look like. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. But then, you know, I watched the Insta chef uh, from Thrillist. And so, you know, I'm watching people who are just making food, putting it up on Instagram and it's, you know, it's all kinds of things. And it's also really based on your mood because, you know, if you're always, I, I don't, I can't go to the criterion channel every day because there's sometimes where I'm just like, I just, I just can't, I just need, it's been a long day. I just want something fun. Give me the fun. And so, you know, yeah. being, being able to help sample across those. So,
1: does uh, does Sean Pressler have a? Does he have a show on TasteMade? He
0: he, should. He He definitely should. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was for those of you not familiar with TasteMade, it it kind of started off as a as a application that allowed you, the user, to create like a, a fairly well put together review of a restaurant am i describing it right like you'd go in yep. and it would temp it was templates of like hey shoot the door now shoot like you know this and shoot the table and shoot the meal now shoot the picture of some a video of somebody eating it and putting thumbs up now give you a review mm-hmm. and uh you know and our our friend sean was just he was killing it i felt like they should have just swooped in and grabbed him and said you know you're going to be the star of, of the taste made network you got star <laughs> written all over you man so much, so much charm and personality.
0: He does. What about,
1: uh, you know, here's, here's, here's a thing that I, I thought maybe, uh, that, 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 you know, might be interesting just to hit on. Um, you know, where do you, where do you think this goes when you guys sit down and you talk about, Hey, five years, 10 years, 15 years, and you project out, you know, not just, Where you want to go with with stroom, but where the industry is going Like Mm -hmm. do you think that there's gonna be like how's this all gonna go down? Like what are your predictions?
0: Yeah So when I'm looking at where the industry is going, you know There's definitely the beginning stages where everybody wanted to get onto streaming video, right? So that was step one. Okay, now we're all on streaming video Netflix was the clear decider and champion and everybody was like all right now How do we get into that? So you had a bunch of companies in the beginning, they got onboarded and they were like, awesome, we've got this great library. But then really what Netflix showed everybody is it's like, well, it's really about variety. And so, you know, Disney, I think, really saw this and they were like, if we're going to be a leader here, we need to buy Fox because we can't sell people the same videos that they probably have in those plastic cases in their back closet or on display somewhere. Like, it's great to have them in your pocket, but you need more to constantly go back to. And so we're in we're in the kind of great aggregation play right now. And then we're also moving into or are already there within the what are the different what are the different tiers for all of the customer uh, profiles we want to add? Right. And what I mean by that is. You know, we went through the free trial days. Uh, I think we're going to, we're slowly seeing free trials go away. You know, again, Disney was like, there's no free trial or Disney Plus. If you don't know what it is by now, like, I don't know how to help you. Um, but we are starting to see free tiers, right? So you're starting to see lower price points. You're starting to see um, ad based tiers. And so, you know, you can get in at an ad based tier, you can get in at a premium tier. And so we are starting to see those tiers. I think, you know, as we mentioned, like we're going to start to see more added features being added into this world. And, you know, one day when VR or AR comes into play, you know, I do think you'll start to see, you know, the ability to do viewing wherever wherever you are. Now, not to say that you can't, but, you know, there is a limited viewing when it comes to a mobile phone. And sorry, Quibi, but I, I don't want to watch my, yeah. the best content on a phone. Uh, I want to be able to see it, you know, the way it's meant to be seen. And I want to rewatch it in my own home, which you know, I do spend a lot of time on, you know, audio and video equipment. And so I do think that the featuring is going to be start to be a thing. We are starting to see the aggregation play. And then, you know, from there, it's really, you know, in a couple years' time, you may have like a couple players in the market. And then it's really about how you can now start to bring in more interactive content. And Netflix has really done some very interesting things, and they've probably been the most successful with interactive content. And maybe this is my own kind of hopes being pushed into, you know, my, my answer here, but, you know, gaming and, and the, and these content services, like they will all start to come together. Like Apple has already like gotten the subscription service across fitness. It's got it across video music. And so the only thing really separating why we don't have audio video interactive into one service is because I don't think people are ready for it. Also. The design teams like it will take a lot of time to be able to put these together and so you really understand where you are but i really start to see all of those starting to come in and you're starting to then aggregate content types content and then figuring out where you want to be able to put to view this content and what type of method and then being able to put that behind a price point in a different tier so
1: yeah that's really interesting i mean um when you talked about netflix i assume you were talking about the the Kind of Black Mirror, choose your own adventure episode.
0: I I was talking about Puss in Boots, Puss in Boots all oh, the okay. way. <laughs> no, Bandersnatch oh, okay. P- <laughs> is definitely one, I I did watch it and was was really into it. Um, but I also like the simple stuff too, like the um like the adventure show. Uh huh. That they have that's interactive. I'm forget I'm I'm forgetting uh-huh. the name, but I did like Puss in Boots, which was the first one. So
1: <laughs> good old Puss in Boots. Yeah, Thomas. So, someone wants to. Someone wants to. Uh, you know, get on board with the the soft launch. Start playing around with the app. Best way, App Store.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely go to the App Store. Uh, it's Stroom, S T R U U M, or visit us at Stroom.com. Stroom.com. And uh, Stroom dot
1: yeah. yeah. Was that hard? To, was that domain hard to get?
0: No, no, not really.
1: Ah, what's that? That's one, two, three, six letters. That's a good domain. Stroom.
0: Yeah. Stroom.
1: It's a strong. It's a strong name.
0: Strong like bull. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I like it. Thomas, thank you for uh, agreeing to, to come on. Um yeah. you know, it was it was great to have you and talk about this stuff. And I think we could talk about it probably for many more hours. But um we we wanna, you know, respect our listeners' time. Um, you know, folks out there, uh, you know, streaming services probably here to stay in some form. And it's really nice to know that folks like Thomas and the team at Stroom are creating practical solutions. Um, They're doing some out-of-the-box thinking that defies the norm and, and I believe, puts the customer first. And while the big four uh, continue to battle it out for that premium spot of who believes they're gonna own the the home, there's just tons of opportunities for disruptors to sneak in a side door. There is, and I believe always has been, another way to a customer's heart. So everybody please, Get on your iPhone if you have one. Download Stroom, check it out. I want to give a big shout out to uh, Lauren, Paul, and Eugene and the, the rest of the Stroom team. Love what you guys are doing. Congratulations. And again, thank you, Thomas.
0: Rob, thank you. And of course. This has been, it's been
1: great. Yeah. And of course, a big shout out to the desk group who produced this podcast and make it possible. Listeners, if you like this conversation, please subscribe. We'll keep bringing the best in the business to talk about this new world of DTC we live in. Until next time, stream away. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. This was a Field Test Podcast.